Uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Joe Nealis. I am the Salt Company Director here. If I have not met you yet, what's up? Hi, Joe. Hi. Uh, thank you for doing that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, you guys happy to be here? Yeah! Awesome. I love it. Um, well, uh, I want to start off uh, with something that actually happened uh, a couple days ago. <clears throat> so I was uh, in Wisconsin a couple days ago uh, from Monday until Wednesday. So literally got in yesterday. And um, I uh, had the privilege to stay in the same uh, hotel room as uh, Daniel Nemers. You know the right response to that. I thought I've trained you guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> some of the, thank you. Um, so um, I didn't choose that. Uh, so I, uh, he's doing his thing with church planning. I, my day is technically on Tuesday where we do training and stuff, whatever. That doesn't mean anything to you guys. But, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm doing really nothing. I'm hanging out with a couple other SALT directors and getting to, getting to know them. And uh, we're hanging out, and I get in a little late, late-ish. It's like 10.30, 11. And I get my card out, get into the room, and, you know, whatever. I, like, you know, go to the bathroom, check my hair and everything. How's everything looking? You know, whatever. <laughs> and then, and then um, I walk into the room. The lights are off. I'm like, Daniel's not here. Okay, whatever. And then, like, around the corner, he's like, ah! <laughs> And I'm like, oh my gosh, Daniel. Oh, like, how many of you guys are like easy to jump scare? Pretty easy, mostly. <laughs> my observation is it's, that it's mostly girls. I don't know what that means. But um, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I don't think I'm generally like jump scary. So like whenever that kind of stuff happens, I'm just like, ah. Uh, so he does that to me, and I'm like, oh, you know. Um, but the reason, here's the reason why I share that. Um, I had no idea that that was going to happen. Just kind of came on me very suddenly, um, as most scares are. Uh, and um, but here's here's the thing. Here's why I share this. I like isn't that similar? Isn't that similar to the way that worry? or anxiety is for you. You don't expect, I mean, you don't plan on being anxious. No one plots to do that, right? Um, it just kind of, kind of jumps at you. And suddenly you're in the grips of worry, perhaps you're really anxious. And again, you don't plan on it, but here you are and you're, you feel really anxious. And this isn't going to be news to you, um, but you're certainly not alone in that. This generation, right? Uh, Gen Z is what they call you guys, very affectionately. And statistically speaking, Gen Z is the most worried, anxious, and depressed than any other generation in history. I know that rings true for you guys, right? I've had many, many, many great 
and hard conversations with many of you guys because this is such a common phenomena. Um, here are a couple stats. 63% of young people between 18 to 30 would say that they are suffering from a level of anxiety and worry, 63%. More than seven in 10, this is as of recently. Um, I've kind of, I've been waiting for this kind of information to come out, uh, but post COVID, COVID did a, a real number on, on all of us. Some of us kind of came out unscathed, some of us mentally, that was a horrendous and dark time. Levels to which I can't speak to, very admittedly. However, um, nevertheless, it was still really difficult and dark. It says more than seven in 10. Seven in 10, seven of 10 Gen Z people, you guys. Seven in 10 reported battling anxiety and worry, especially during the pandemic when there's all sorts of uncertainty. And then uh, it says this, Kevin Anschel, he's a clinical psychologist at Syracuse University. He says this, uh, <laughs> Syracuse, go oranges, I think. Uh, <laughs> but he says, uh, he says this, uh, the more things are uncertain, the more we're going to fear. And the more we fear things, the more we're anxious. And prolonged anxiety can lead to depression. Now. I think it's interesting to note the first thing. It starts with uncertainty. It starts with uncertainty. And wasn't that the last year and a half? I don't mean to be cliche. Every pastor in the freaking universe has sat on this stage and said, man, COVID's been hard. And it has been. But what I'm trying to say here, guys, is um, it's significant. It's significant. It's had a level of impact on you guys that maybe you wouldn't have anticipated. So worry and anxiety are problems. You see, Jesus knew that his disciples, his people, would suffer from fears and worries and anxieties of any kind. Fears about your future. Fears about, man, am I going to have enough money to move out of my parents' house? Am I in the right major? Will I ever be married? Will I die alone? All of these things, these worries. He knew that we would have them. And I think that oftentimes we think that in the middle of our worries and our fears that God couldn't possibly speak to that. I mean, if we were to be honest, even if we've grown up in the church, maybe we're a leader here, whatever it is, we wouldn't want to say it, but we would kind of just think in our mind, oh, okay, I don't really know if anything could really change or if God's really going to be there say anything helpful to me. And that's what I think is amazing about the passage we're going to look at because I believe that the passage actually says just the opposite. I believe that with this passage we're going to see that instead of God being far in your worry, perhaps he's close. And, and what if he wants to say something to you tonight? So we're continuing uh, through our series, Meeting Jesus, with the goal of the entire series, we're looking at the book of Luke, <clears throat> the gospel of Luke, uh, where we're looking at the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this man who lived, died, and resurrected over 2,000 years ago. And we're saying, okay, 
who, who, who are you? Maybe you're here and <clears throat> you've grown up, you've heard about Jesus, but you don't quite know what the Bible says exactly about Jesus. And so we're looking, we're saying, Jesus, who are you? And what does that have to do with us today? We're continuing that tonight. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open those up. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. We're going to open up God's word because when we hear God's word, we hear God's voice. That's great. Um, let me clarify that. <clears throat> so here's why we say that. Um, here at South Company, we believe that, God's, that the, the Bible is actually God's word. And so when we open up the Bible, um, it's not just to hear from the guy with the mic. Uh, our hope is to have an encounter with the living God through the preached word of God. And so, man, as we speak on a, on a topic that, man, that affects literally all of us. Um, be reminded that, uh, I man, we're hearing from, from God's very words to us tonight. So... <clears throat> As we look at this passage, Jesus is going to address our fears and our worries. And in doing so, he's going to give us two reasons why we don't have to experience worry. So two reasons why we don't have to experience worry. And he's going to give us one explanation for how we can experience freedom from it. How we can experience freedom from it. Now, let me be really, really clear. I am not up on this stage tonight saying that if you take the Bible pill, you'll be fine and your anxieties are gone. I am not saying that, people. Please be clear. Fighting these things is a process. I know that very well. <clears throat> you guys know me. Anxiety is a part of my life. Um, so I want to be clear. I'm not up here saying, hey, it's going to happen overnight. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and never struggle with a thing. You're, going to, you're never going to be anxious again. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that maybe Jesus is inviting you into a process. So as we look at this passage, Jesus is going to give us two reasons why we don't have to worry. And he's going to explain to us just how we can experience freedom from it. So up to this moment in Luke, uh, I mean, we've only, we are just in Luke chapter 11, the last part of it, so we haven't missed a ton, but let me fill you in before we just dive into the passage. Jesus starts off, so after, so last week we talked about how, man, the Pharisees, they believe that if they just clean the outside, you know, they did these good things, that that's all that God cares about. All God cares about is my church attendance. He cares how good of a person I am. And they had missed it. And Jesus starts off by saying, hey, uh, put your guard up against, he says, the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, he's saying, hey, don't fall into believing what they believe about the gospel. They don't actually know me. Stay away from them. And then he goes off and he starts talking about the end times, okay? Um, talking about, hey, when you're persecuted for your faith, endure. God will provide the words that you need to say when you're confronted about your faith. And he's strengthening them and he's encouraging them. And he's, he knows their fears and he's speaking to them. And then some guy, this young guy, interrupts him in the middle of his talk. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, um, can, can you tell my brother to give me, he says, to give me my inheritance? In other words, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my money. And so it's like, okay. Um, so Jesus takes that as an opportunity. And like we talked about last week, Jesus, he sees their heart. He sees his motive. And Jesus says to this man, hey, your life cannot be found in the abundance of possessions. It's not about how much you gain. Because at the end of the day, that's not going to mean anything when you stand before God. 
And so now, he begins to share some words that have comforted millions and millions and millions and millions of people since the day that he said these words. So that's where we're going to be. We're in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 22. And uh, let's, let's start reading there, verse 22. It says this. <clears throat> then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? So in the middle of your worry and your fear, um, Jesus meets us with these words. And the first reason, if you're taking notes, the first reason that Jesus gives us, gives his people, right? He says he's speaking to his disciples. The two reasons why, the first reason why we can experience or why we don't have to experience worry is this. Reason number one, it's useless. Reason number one is it's useless. So friends, there's a, there's a deep connection between what you're committed to and what you worry about. Did you guys ever have that, uh, did you guys ever have that friend, um, I, had a, I had a friend in high school who was like this, but do you guys ever have that friend, maybe you are that friend, who has a car that you very clearly do not care about, right? Like the kind of car where like you get into your friend's car and you, like, you spill your cough and they're like, oh, don't worry about it, adds character, I actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like the, the kind of car that's like, man, I hope that an expensive car like totals my car so I can get a new one, all right? And, like, I would actually not be mad if I got a new one, okay? It's very clear, it's so clear that they're not committed to that car, right? Because they're not worried about it. My dad, I mean, my dad was the picture of someone who cares so much about his car. We couldn't, if we went out to eat, we'd get McDonald's. And he's like, we'd like, all right, let's get these French fries, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, you're gonna have to wait to eat them until we get home because... My car is not going to have salt all up in it. It's not going to, you know, whatever. Don't touch the window. You know, that whole deal, right? It's very, very clear that he cares a lot about his car. He's committed to it, right? And so then the opposite, sorry, um, if that's true, right, if he's committed to it, uh, man, may, maybe then you, you've had examples of that in your life too, right? So if, if you have a phone, the first thing that you do, hopefully, I really hope you do this, but when you get your phone, what's the first thing you buy it? Tell me. Case, yes. Oh, hallelujah. I, so I've seen people that like don't have cases, and I'm like, how do you function? Oh, my gosh. So, uh, but you get, you probably worry about it, so you get a case, right? If you're committed, perhaps, to having a plan for the future, you're going to do everything you can to have your schedule booked out and everything. And the problem is, if you don't, you'll find yourself worried about it. If you're committed to winning someone's approval, you'll probably be anxious that you're going to be rejected. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say right from the get-go. There's a deep connection between what you are committed to and what you worry about. Because the person that just came to him previously in, in, the, in the passages just before this one, 
This man was very clearly committed to riches and all that money could buy him. He was committed to it. That's why, Jesus, tell my brother to give me the money that I want. To gain all these possessions. He wants all of these things. And you see, he was committed to it because of the things that it could give him as well. It could buy him food, buy him safety and comfort. And because that's what he was committed to, he was terribly worried about having it. And then Jesus says something remarkable. He says something incredibly simple, right? Incredibly obvious, and yet something incredibly freeing. Listen to what he says in verse 23. Look with me. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. I'll I'll read the verse before so it'll make a little bit more sense. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Do you guys know what he's saying there? At that moment in time, food and clothing were like the things that they were worried about. They didn't It was scarce where he was, so he's speaking directly to their needs. The people of that day were massively concerned about whether they would have enough food or even enough clothing. And then he says, man, do you know why you don't need to worry about those things? He says, because life is much more than food and clothing. And so today he would say, child, what what is it that fills your mind? What is it that fills your heart with worry? And then ask yourself, is this all that life, is that all that life is? Is that all that life is? Maybe you're here and you're worried about relationships or friendships. I mentioned earlier, man, am I going to, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to find someone? Maybe it's, man, I want to have a really, really good connect, like a, you know, friendship with my connection group leader. Maybe, maybe it's at whatever it could be. Or maybe it's with finances or am I going to have enough money to pay for the next semester or any of those things. You see, the things that you're so worried about, the thing that takes up so much of your time, Jesus says, is that all that, is that, all that life is? And Jesus, let me be clear, Jesus says this not to shame you, but to usher you into freedom from worry. Let me be clear again. Jesus says that not to shame you, but to usher you into freedom from worry. You see, Jesus is shrinking the size of your worry so that you can actually see it for what it is. Because oftentimes our worry kind of acts like a magnifying glass. We have this problem and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, not because it's actually getting bigger, but because your worry is magnifying it to this degree. So, I mean, imagine for a second... Like if you were holding a magnifying glass to a spider. Now, please don't do that. I would immediately just grab a boot and kill it anyway. But let's just imagine for a second, okay? Um, you, you get a magnifying glass and you get closer to the spider and the spider gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that thing's nasty, all right? Can I get an amen? amen. So gross. Um, But when you take the magnifying glass away, you realize that though it's still a spider and it's still gross, it's not as bad as you thought it was. If you've taken the magnifying glass away, oh, okay, it's pretty small. 
And that's what Jesus is trying to do for you here. He's not belittling your worry by any means. He's not saying, man, you shouldn't, hey, you're dumb for being worried. Not at all. What he's trying to say, he's deflating this worry in your heart. Jesus, I'm, I'm worried about my future. What if I don't ever get to use my degree? And Jesus would say, okay, uh, what if? What if you can't use your degree? Well, what do you mean, what if? That would be horrible. Why would it be horrible? He'll keep asking questions. Well, because I would have wasted the last two years, the last two to four years of my life, and I spent a lot of money, and you keep going, you keep going, and Jesus would just say, okay, what else? Keep going, what else? Why? Well, you know, I'd, if I work at a place not using my degree, it would just suck. Well, Jesus would say, well, why does that bother you? Well, I don't want to have to say to someone, if someone comes up to me and says, hey, uh, what did you go to school for? Oh, I went to school for this. Where are you working? Oh, I'm doing this. That, that would be so embarrassing. I don't, want, I don't want that. So Jesus would then perhaps say, okay, so you're not worried about it job, you're worried about what people think of you. So Jesus is helping us see what our worries are for what they really are. Though they are certainly important, Jesus is saying, friends, these things, though it may not seem like it, are not the epitome of life itself. Isn't life more than this job? Isn't life more than doing what I want to do, or isn't life more than having this dream relationship? Isn't life more than that? What if I don't get it? But isn't life more than that? Jesus continues to explain why it's useless. Look with me at verse 25. Verse 25, he says, Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? So he asks a very, very practical question. Hey, uh, what has worry ever done for you? What has it done for you? Have you ever in your life, have you ever in your life thought, man, I wish I was more anxious about my future, man. Man, I need less sleep. I want, to be more, I want to be more worried. I want to be more anxious. Man, this is the life. It's really helping me out here. I love it. No one in their right mind would ever say that. The fact is, um, most of us, while we deal with this, we would never, ever, ever say anything like that. And Jesus tells us that a reason why we can stop worrying is by realizing that it does not accomplish anything. And oftentimes we worry because we think it'll be helpful. Sometimes we worry because we think it'll be helpful. When I was in high school, I was terrified of public speaking. Anybody scared of public speaking, willing to say it? Come on, people, there's more of you. There's more of you. There's a weird statistic that says that people would rather die than public speak. My history teacher told me that, I trust her, okay? That was my senior year. I trust everything that Ms. Palso says, okay? Raina Palso, shout out. Uh, <laughs> but so when I was in high school, um, I was terrified of public speaking. And uh, 
I remember thinking that trusting God meant doing not a ton of work, but just kind of showing up. Because I'm like, God will provide for me. He'll give me the words to say in the moment. It would be untrusting for me to do a ton of work, to get all the details down, and to speak. So I bombed every single speech, people. Horrible. It was really bad. <laughs> um, but I, I believed that for a moment, um, that trusting God, uh, I, I believe that trusting God was, um, looked like, oh, I'm just going to hand this over to you. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do any work or anything. That's not at all. And recently, uh, as well, I went to, I went to Wisconsin. Uh, I already told you guys that, but, uh, when I was away from my responsibilities, um, I, when I was, like, like, there was one point in time when I was just um, getting, uh, I was hanging out, and my brain was just kind of like, everyone was talking, and I just kind of like zoned out. And I started to think about all my responsibilities, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much work. And I got homework. And I got all these things, and I began to kind of worry, and worry, and worry, and worry, and worry. And, um, then I just have to like sit for a minute and I'm like, okay, this is not accomplishing literally anything. Like all of my work is three, no, it was four and a half hours away. I like, for me to worry is actually, it's a detriment to my soul right now. Um, so then I had to stop myself and say, hey, listen, Joe, there's nothing you can do right now. Worrying is not going to accomplish anything. So just breathe and I said, okay. I'll handle that later. See, worry doesn't add to our lives, but it certainly detracts from it. So Dr. Charles Mayo, uh, he's the guy who, does, who, did the, who, who created the Mayo Clinic, one of the greatest uh, medical organizations in America. <clears throat> but he says this, I've never known a man who died of overwork, but I've known a whole lot who have died from worry. So friends, sometimes it's as simple as saying to yourself, this doesn't help me, this is not worth my time, this is not helpful to me right now. Just breathe. Jesus knows that we struggle with worry and anxiety, so he tells us, friends, worrying is useless. The things we worry about are not the epitome of life, and worrying doesn't do anything but make life miserable. It's useless. But here's the thing. Knowing that worry is useless is useless. Right? It's not entirely useless. But some of you guys in the room are feeling that. Like, oh, okay. Sweet, I just won't worry. Thanks, Joe, let's pray. But, so Jesus continues he continues. He gives us a second reason why we don't have to worry or to be anxious. So listen to what he says. We're going to start in verse 27. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? You have little faith. 
So the second reason, reason number two, your heavenly father loves to provide what you need. That's the second reason. Your heavenly father loves to provide what you need. That's the second reason that Jesus gives us. In response to our fear and our worry, he says, hey, you don't have to worry. Number one, it's useless. And number two, your heavenly father loves to provide what you need. How many of you guys like being in nature? Anybody? Anybody? Beaches, hiking, all that stuff. Um, There's something about being uh, in nature for me that's like, it just calms my soul. Like, sometimes it's just good for me to like, man, I need to go for a walk. You know, like, just breathe in the like, especially when it's getting cooler outside. Um, It is something about that for me. And Jesus, um, as he speaks about why we shouldn't be worried, he begins to draw our attention to the outdoors. And Jesus tells us something that we don't often talk about, nor do we often practice. He asks, hey, are you worried about your future? Are you worried that I'm going to provide? Look outside. Look outside. Look at the wildflowers. Look at the grass. Their job is literally to stay in the ground and just grow. They don't do anything. It just grows. He says, are you worried that I'm going to provide? Look at the grass. Look at these plants. These things, they're going to be mowed over tomorrow. It's going to dry out tomorrow. They're going to be gone tomorrow. And yet I care so deeply for them. And I provide. How much more than for you? So to give us a little bit more perspective, Jesus expands a little bit. And he says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Talking about the plants still. Solomon, if you didn't know this, Solomon was the richest man to ever exist. I was doing a little bit of research today. Fascinating. His net worth in today's money would be 2.1, not million, not billion, $2.1 trillion. That's nuts. To, again, to put it in a little bit more perspective, that is the... Um, That is equal to uh, the combined net worth of 400 of America's richest people. 400. So Solomon was pretty well off, I'd say. And uh, Jesus says, yet still, not even Solomon, the richest person in the world is adorned like the flowers of the field that God cares for. What does that mean? I am not, (laughs) I am not saying that God's going to give you wealth. That is our experience, people, all right? Ain't none of us rolling on a ton of dough, all right? Some of us can only afford ramen noodle on a good day, okay? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Go Bears, go Bears. Um, That's not what he's saying. Uh, because Jesus elsewhere actually condemns that thought. Literally just right before he says to this guy who's like, hey, give me my money. He says, hey, uh, life is actually more than all of that. It's more than that. Um, 
So, uh, what's he trying to say to you? Here's what he's trying to say. If God provides for and deeply cares for the grass, which is quickly burned, how much more will he provide for you, his child, whom he deeply loves? How much more will he provide for you? Do you hear that, Salt Company? How much more will your Father in Heaven provide for you? So think about what you're worried about. Go ahead, take some time for a second. What, what is consuming your mind? What have you been worried about recently? Maybe it's, again, maybe it's about uh, your finances. Well, I have enough money to pay for car repairs. I have enough money for gas. Well, I have enough money for this, you name it. Maybe it's about your relationships. Maybe you're going on the church plan. You're like, man, am I going to have people, people there? My community's here. I mean, if any, maybe, maybe you're like, I'm on the fence with the church plan. I don't know if I should go. And you're worried because you're like, man, I, the thing that's holding me back is my people are here. What, like, will God actually provide for me there? So Jesus says, hey, are you, are you worried? Look outside. Like, look, physically look outside. Have I not provided for these trees, these plants? I had to do this recently. Um, I was dealing with some worry uh, just with, I mean, fear of man. And because uh, I, I mean, I went to this event where I knew literally nobody and everyone's just amazing. And uh, I, I literally just looked at, I looked outside. I was like, okay, how much more will he provide for me? I don't know what it's going to look like for him to provide for me in this moment, but I at least know that it means he's going to give me the grace to, to get through that. And so just looking and being like, oh, man, Jesus, you were, God, you were so kind, and I'm so faithless. God, help me. And so looking outside, see how God provides for the grass and the plants. And as you look outside, recall to yourself, God cares deeply for me. He will provide. God cares so deeply for me. He will provide. How much more? As I see these plants grow up, how much more will he provide for me? So Jesus is saying to you, um, listen, uh, the intensity of your worry is uh, no match for the intensity of God's love for you. The intensity of your worry is no match for the intensity of God's love and provision for you. See, Jesus is saying when you worry about your life, he will provide for you. All will be well. Now, I want you guys to notice something. Uh, Jesus tells us um, that, hey, uh, trusted me, but he doesn't say, just don't do anything. Um, trusting in me looks like not doing a thing. Um, I already told the story on accident about how I was uh, public speaking and all that. That was not supposed to happen. Oops, got ahead in my notes. But, um, but here's what I'm trying to say here. Sometimes, again, sometimes we think that trusting in God means, oh, cool, hands off. That's what it looks like to honor God. No, 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 no. Um, you're not going to wake up tomorrow with a full-time job by faith. All right, people, 
It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so essentially, Jesus would be saying to you, listen, apply for that job. Work really hard at work. Study really hard. Study for hours if you need to. But rest well, knowing that I'm going to provide for your needs. Rest well, child, knowing that I'm going to provide. Work hard, but you can rest easy because I'm going to provide for your needs. Your heavenly Father loves to provide what you need. So Jesus continues to share why we don't need to experience worry. Uh, look with me at verse 29. He continues, Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink. Don't be anxious, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. So you guys remember when he spoke about food and clothing a couple minutes ago? Uh, the very things that they were so worried about during that time. He brings it back up again. And then he says, hey, don't work so tirelessly to get those things on your own. Because like I just said, hey, uh, work hard, but don't lose sleep over the things that you're worried about. Your Father in heaven knows what you need, and he's going to give it to you. So friends, remember this. When worries begin to race at a high speed, when worries begin to race at high speed, God will give me what I need. When worries begin to race at high speed, God will give me what I need. I don't care if you think that's corny, it's helpful. Okay, people? In moments when you find yourself worried about your future, about getting the approval that you want, getting into the program that you want. Remind yourself, when worries begin to race at high speed, God will give me what I need. When your mind is racing at 100 miles an hour, remind yourself, God's going to give you what you need. If you're a child of God here, if you have confessed your sins, you said, Jesus, only, only you can save me, not my good works, you're a child of God, and if that's true of you, you can say with confidence, remember, this is the word of God. When worries begin to race at high speed, God will give me what I need. You see, uh, there's something about our Father in heaven that Jesus is telling us, uh, something he's been communicating for the last few verses, um, and here it is. Your Father in heaven doesn't simply know what you need and not give it to you. He knows what you need and gives it to you. Uh, when I was younger, I would go fishing with my grandpa. Any fishers? I have a strange amount of fishers here. Yeah, 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 let's go. Um, I don't know a thing about fishing now. If you took me fishing, you would be ashamed of me, okay? Uh, <laughs> but my grandpa would take me out fishing. We would go together. And... Uh, we were at a lake where you couldn't, like, keep the fish. You had to throw them back out there. And so we, uh, we'd reel in fish, and as soon as we'd bring the fish in, they would just start to, start to flop around. Uh, they're gasping for air. And in that moment, I know that I know exactly what they need. And I know that I have the power to give them what they need. I can just toss them back in the water and give him what he needs. 
Um, but I think that oftentimes we think that God wouldn't do the same thing for us. We think that he might know what we need, but kind of like that fish, he leaves us out to die. Yeah, the Bible says that he knows what I need, but I don't really know if he's, he gives it to me all the time. Just kind of like, oh, okay, like, cool, you know what I need, but nah. That's not at all the picture of, that we get from the Bible. That's not God. God knows what you need. Jesus is telling us that. God knows what you need, and he'll give it to you. Because when worries begin to race at high speed, God will give me what I need. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? So Jesus gives us two reasons why we don't have to experience fear and worry. Um, So the question is, okay, well then how? How do we not experience this worry? How can we experience freedom from it? So Jesus tells us how in verse 31. Look with me. Solution that God Almighty gives us. He says this. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. I'll read that again. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. So point number three is this. How? Seek his kingdom. That's the point. Seek his kingdom. How do we experience? What what does Jesus tell us? That if we want to be free from worry and fear, how do we get there? He says, seek his kingdom. That's the third point. So Jesus tells us here that the key is this, to give up our agenda and to trust God's agenda. He's saying to make first, to desire first. That's literally what that word means. Seek there literally just means desire first. Seek first. Some of your translations say seek first. Seek first with all of your heart God's kingdom. We don't use the word kingdom a lot, uh, and that's probably a weird concept for you. It was for me for a long time. What secret kingdom? Why? Like, am I like going after this big gold city? What does that mean? Like, uh, what? And what the Bible means when it talks about God's kingdom is God's reign. God's reign, his rule, his agenda. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, desire first God's agenda for your life. Not yours, not someone else's, but seek first and desire first God's kingdom, God's agenda. Because when you do this, the things that used to worry you no longer worry you anymore. You're not losing sleep about, man, am I gonna, like, I don't know about this relationship anymore. I I got a test and I'm terrified. I'm not going to do, like, what if I don't get into my dream school or I don't, whatever it is. You're not losing sleep over it anymore because those things aren't the highest desire of your life. Remember when Jesus said a couple minutes ago, he said, hey, is your, isn't your life more than these things? Isn't your life more than those things? You know what your life is about? Seeking his kingdom. That's what he's trying to get at. 
Your life is far more than a good grade and a good job and a good relationship and a good this, that, and the other thing. Your life is more than that. He's saying your life is seeking my agenda for you. That's what he's trying to say to us. Your life goal is to seek God's kingdom, his agenda for your life, his glory. And because that's true, you begin to be free of your worries because the things you used to worry about no longer consume you. But it doesn't end there. Look with me at verse 33. Jesus continues, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Seems random. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Are you guys seeing how a life seeking God's kingdom not only frees from worry, but actually it does something to you. And it makes you far more generous. Because you see, the very thing, uh, the very thing that uh, many people in that day and, and many of us would be worried about finances, money, the very thing that they were like, man, I want to keep it, I want to keep it, I want to keep it, what if I don't have enough, I need to have enough? That very thing he says, hey, now go and sell it. Go and sell all your possessions. And instead of making your life about possessions here, make your life about possessions in heaven. Because that's what it's about. That very thing that they were worried about, when you begin to seek his kingdom first, not only does he free you from the worries of those things, but then he says, hey, now go around and actually give that out to people. You're holding so tightly to it, but go give it out to people. He says, I will free you to care more about my agenda than about your agenda. You see, when you seek out God's kingdom first, no longer are you worried about being loved. And let me give you a few examples. You're no longer worried about, you don't come into a room and think, man, are they going to accept me? Are they going to welcome me? Maybe, I mean, if you were to be honest, you come to Salt Company, that's maybe your, you come here and you're like, ah, are they going to accept me here? Um, I would say to you, if, if you've been coming for a while, when you begin to seek his kingdom, no longer do you worry about that. You say, man, God, how can I be a blessing to someone else? I'm not worried about myself anymore. I'm seeking his kingdom first. I'm seeking his agenda. And I'm saying, God, I want to I bless other people. I want to I be the one that, that welcomes other people. That's who I want to be. I don't want to walk into a room anymore and be in the bondage of that fear of people liking me, but I'm going to be the guy or I'm going to be the girl who welcomes these people. There's a, this, this profound generosity switch that happens in your life or, or, or maybe with having a relationship. Maybe you don't have a romantic relationship and the way that if, when you are seeking God's kingdom, you no longer are bitter and sad and constantly looking for someone, but instead... You utilize that time. Man, I got free time. I'm going to dig deep into the Word of God. I'm going to memorize chapters. I'm going to disciple someone. I'm going to give my life to this thing. Because if I, as I've sought the kingdom, I'm not worried about those things anymore that used to make me so worried. But now, God has changed it around. And I'm using this time, I'm redeeming it. Or, or maybe you're like, ah, man, I don't have enough money. I need more money. Help me, I need more money. And when you begin to seek his kingdom, God begins to show you, hey, even what little you have. Number one, it's not yours in the first place. God says, hey, it's mine. Would you use it for my cause? 
and you're beginning to say, okay, I'm going to give it, like, just like it says, go and sell your possessions, build, and, 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 and look for treasures in heaven. That's where your treasures sh- should be. Or maybe leaving a good job is something you're scared about when it comes to the church plant. You're thinking about it. Be like, I don't, I'm, I'm worried about this job. But as you begin to seek his kingdom, you begin trusting instead that God will provide as you say yes to going on a church plant to this place that maybe you've never been at or been to before. Saying, all right, all I know is that God is telling me I need to go. And I'm going to trust God that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And you're going to provide. Seeking his kingdom, his agenda first, it frees you. And then he says this in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, that's the key right there. Where, let me read it again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, when you seek his kingdom first, it frees you from worry and it transforms you. What does it look like? It's saying, God, I pray I pray that, and I just ask that this interview would go well. God, you know how much I need this job. But if you don't, I trust you. I trust you. I want your agenda, not mine. It looks like, God, I I pray that I would get into this program. You know how badly I want this. You know how badly I've been wanting to do this job for years and years and years and years. If you don't, it's your agenda, your kingdom first. Help me. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? Not my will, but your will be done. He says, let this cup pass from me. Jesus embodies seeking the kingdom first and saying, God, if this is not what you desire, oh, Lord, do I want your agenda first, because your plans and your ways are far greater than the ones that I have for my life. That's the prayer of someone who seeks God first. <clears throat> when, I, uh, when I was a senior in college, this was in 2019, so almost two years exactly, uh, I began to get really, really sick, and I don't know why. Uh, I didn't know why. Um, I would uh, go to uh, meals and having not eaten for a while, and I'm like, great, I'm hungry, but I would take two bites and I couldn't do anything else. I started to get really dizzy, um, fatigued, my brain would get kind of foggy, um, and uh, just a lot of pain that I was going through. And um, this was around the time when I was looking for jobs. And uh, I was desperately looking for jobs, and there were several times when the uh, churches that I were talking to, I had to cancel interviews because I felt so sick. I can't last longer than an hour on this phone call. I feel horrible. And I remember thinking, God, how, like, is anyone going to hire me? I'm constant, like, I feel, I, I'm sick. I don't know what's going on. I was getting blood tests at the time. By that point in time, I would walk into the doctors, and they knew me by first, like, literally by my first name. Hey, Joe. 
don't want to be on a first aid basis with them. Uh, but I was consistently going in there, and they didn't know what was going on, and I was looking for a job. And there would be moments when I would uh, literally just be in bed by myself and would just like have this moment of terror. Oh my gosh, what if I don't get a job? I'm going to private school. That's a lot of money. How am I going to pay for that? And now you've made me sick? (laughs) What's going on? And I remember many moments. uh, Going to the doctor's office, uh, having to, uh, yeah, in the morning I would walk to the the doctor's office and I would listen to these uh, these songs. Um, Oh man, I'm trying to remember one of the names. Names of them. Uh, one of them, I think, was uh, oh, uh, worthy of it all. I think. Um, and the other one was crown him with many crowns. It's an older song, but I remember walking to the doctor's office and being so terrified. Um, the things that I thought were going on with me, I thought I had stomach cancer. Um, was very scared for my life, and having moments when as I was walking and listening to those songs and having a moment where I thought, isn't life more than this? That was not me. I don't think those thoughts. Isn't life more than this? And listening to these songs. Jesus My existence, my life as a child of God is headed towards one direction, and that is to see Jesus Christ lifted high in all of his glory. And if suffering here is part of that equation, I mean, I guess that's part of it. And just saying, Jesus, if this is what I have to go through, what do I have to do? I can't change anything. But seeking first his kingdom stripped away these worries for my life in surreal moments of worship that I had never experienced in my life until I hit those low lows. So I, I, I want to be clear with you guys. When, when worries begin to race at a high speed, God will give you what you need. He has promised it. And I dare you to trust it. I need help with trusting that, and I think the rest of us do as well. So I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you for just that you don't leave us alone in our worries and our pains and our anxieties. You don't leave us alone, and I just think it's amazing that the most repeated command in Scripture is this. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And you don't say that to just shut us down. But you console us and you comfort us. And God, I pray that you've done that tonight. You've done that with me even right here as I speak. You've done that in my heart. Praise God. I pray for those in the room who have been struggling with worry about their future. 
worry about whatever it could be. God, I just pray that by the Spirit of God, would you please comfort their heart as they examine their worries and their anxieties, would they say, man, this is not helpful to me. I trust that my Heavenly Father loves to provide for what I need, and I'm going to seek your kingdom, God. Help us to do that. Help us to trust you more and more and more and more and more. Help us to trust you. These words are hard to believe, but Jesus, you spoke them, and you are our creator. You know how we are wired. You can speak a word that will comfort us. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to trust that. We pray this in your name. Amen.